I'd like to welcome you to our Sunday morning service if you'd like to find your place in Psalms chapter 76. Psalms chapter 76. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. The title of the message is, Are You There? Are You There? And in Judah, it says in Psalm 76 and verse 1, In Judah is God known. His name is great. In Israel, and Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. There break he the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword and the battle. Selah. The inscription above Psalm 76 tells us who wrote the psalm, and it was Asaph. God gave Asaph the words of this psalm, and then in turn, Asaph gave the words to the chief musician to put it to song. And if you go back and look at Psalm 75, which was also written by Asaph, you'll, you'll see that it's a psalm or a song dedicated to future victories. But when you get to Psalm 76, it's a psalm or a song about triumphs already achieved. And, and, and number one in this message, I would like for to ask you, is God known in your song? You know, if you, you take joy to the world, which will be sung very shortly here in America and around English-speaking countries, and you'll hear the, the hymn, Joy to the World, even on secular radio stations, uh, that they will play it as a Christmas song. But it's not a Christmas song. It's a millennial hymn. Uh, it, it speaks of future victories. Uh, hey, there will come a day where there will be joy on earth. Uh, if you've been listening to the news Reading the news, uh, Israel has declared war on Gaza there and, and on Hamas and these terrorist organizations that are launching rockets over into Israel. And can I tell you, there, there's not much joy right now, but there is coming a day where there will be some joy on earth. Uh, if you know the hymn there, you know the words. It says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Can I just say that earth has not received her king? as of yet not every heart has prepared him room heaven and nature are not singing oh but one day they will sing together in harmony and then the second verse says joy to the earth the savior reigns can I just say he's not reigning yet but I do hope he's reigning in your hearts today. I, I hope you've given him the room. You've prepared that room for him uh, that he so deserves in your life. Uh, and, uh, and then in verse 3 it says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Uh, hey, there's weeds everywhere. Uh, there's weeds on our property. If you try to plant a garden, there's going to be weeds. There's going to be thorns. Uh, but one day all these things will be removed. Uh, then in verse 4 of Joy to the world, it says he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Can I just say that these are future <coughs> victories that's being mentioned here. <coughs> Excuse me, I got drainage this morning and please forgive me for that. And But joy to the world does <coughs> speak of future victories. But if you would compare that to the old rugged cross, the old rugged cross speaks of triumphs already achieved. 
On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, uh, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross uh, where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Uh, you see that that looks back to something that's already accomplished. Uh, we sing of a triumph that's already been achieved. Uh, it says, so I cherish the old rugged cross. And <coughs> I thank God that we can do that. And that old rugged cross, verse 2, so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. The old rugged cross, I will ever be true, with shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. And the, the reason I want to point out the difference between these two songs is kind of the difference between Psalm 75 and Psalm 76. But both of these Psalms speak of the Lord. <coughs> they speak of God. There's other songs at Calvary and at the cross. And he arose because he lives. He lives. All those look back to triumphs already achieved. But how about hymns on the return of Christ? They speak of future victories. We shall behold him some golden daybreak and I'll fly away and what a beautiful day. But there's also hymns for Christian service which speak of the victorious Christian life. Work for the night is coming. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus, onward Christian soldiers. I love to tell the story, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, uh, victory in Jesus. Uh, and, and we're not working toward victory, we're working from victory. Uh, the day that I got saved, I became victorious uh, in Christ Jesus because of the victory he won and I'm in him. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I heard a preacher say most of today's worship is centered on the one doing the worship instead of the one that they ought to be worshiping and how true that is. Can I just ask you, is God known in your songs? Here Asaph wrote some songs. He wrote some psalms under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, God is known in these songs. Is God known in your songs? You can't be singing country music and rock and roll and rap music and, and, uh, and think that God is known in any of that. If you're singing that type of music, listening to that type of music, no one around you is going to think that God is known in those type of songs. In verse 1 it says, uh, the little inscription to the chief musician at Niganoth, uh, a, a psalm or a song of Asaph in Judah is God known. His name is great uh, in Israel. Hey, it's very clear that who this psalm is about and who it is uh, uh, to, to put it to music. <coughs> Asaph didn't hand this over to the Nashville crowd. He, he didn't hand it over to the contemporary crowd. Godly music is sacred. We're worshiping a holy God. And he's nowhere any music that does not magnify his holy name and his holy word. Hey, can I ask you, what do you have on your phone? <laughs> Hey, well, what's on your playlist? 
Is God known in your songs? Number two, is God known in your life? When you walk into this church, there shouldn't be any doubt as to who is known in this church. And I'm not talking about the who's who and the Jones and, and the other name, the Smiths and all these other people. No, I'm talking about we ought to know who's known in this church and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing about Jesus. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. We lift Him up. We glorify Him for all that He's done and all that He's accomplished in our lives. And then we open up His Word we open up the word of God so that we can hear from God and the Holy Spirit will take these holy scriptures and he'll work in your heart and draw you unto himself and teach you all things through the scriptures. Can I just remind you that if you woke up this morning it's because of his mercies and his compassions because they fail not. The only reason you made it to church today is because God was merciful and compassionate to you. If you've achieved anything in this life, if you've accomplished anything in this life, it's because God enabled you to do it. But how often do we rob God of the glory that's due His name? Can I just ask you, is God known in your life? Do others know that you know God? God has blessed us now with three buses and and bless us with those that have signed up to go get their CDL license to, to be a blessing, to bring children to church and, and adults. And, we, and uh, we, we thank God for the lady that we met yesterday that says she'd been watching the van, she'd been watching the bus, and, and she said, I want to come to church. Can I just say it's all of God. It's God that should get all the glory for anything that we do. Bible says we've done our very best and think that, man, we've arrived somewhere to say we're unprofitable servants. Why? Because God should get the glory. Great things He has done in our life. Psalms 100 and verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. God is known in this church, uh, but can I ask you, is he known in your life? Uh, I'm talking about Monday through Saturday. Is God known uh, in your life? Uh, does your family know? Does, do your co-workers know? Do your friends know? Do your neighbors know that God is known in your life? Uh, it says in Jude, God is known. All oh, the things that you say ought to reflect uh, that God is known in your life uh, the music that you listen to the things that you watch on TV and on the internet uh, the fact that you go to church uh, ought to say that God is known in your life uh, oh can I just say that you can be in church today you can be underneath the sound of my voice today and not know God oh you may have heard about him you heard that Jesus died for you and uh, why he died for you but can I just say he may not be known to you because you've never asked Jesus to save you. You've never seen yourself as a sinner deserving as the devil's hell and you've never called on the Lord to save you. Can I just ask you, is God known in your life? Can others see that God is known in your life? 
One of our men says at work, they call him the preacher man. Hey, thank God for that. That's not an insult. Hey, I'm telling you, that right there, that, that's a compliment. If you ask me, known as the preacher man. Oh no, here he comes. He's going to be talking about Jesus again. Hey, in Psalm 76, it says, In Judah is God known. Hey, there ought to be a place. There ought to be in your life that God is known there. It says his name is great in Israel. You know, many times Judah and Israel failed to live up to this verse. Many times. Many times the Bible says that they forgot the Lord. They didn't acknowledge the world, the Lord. They worshiped false gods. But God always had a remnant. And he sent his faithful messengers to preach thus saith the Lord. They may have been in the minority, but there was always somebody that was known of God. And they made sure that everybody else knew that God was known in their life. Hey, you may feel like you're part of a remnant today. You may be the only one who knows the Lord in your house or in your family or among your co-workers or anywhere else. But just know that God has put you there so that He he can be made known. Hey, young people, can I ask you something? Is God known at your school? Can people look at your life and tell that you walk with God, that you love God, and that you honor His Word by what you listen to, what you talk about, who you associate with, who you don't hang out with? Hey, I'm telling you, people ought to know that there's a God in heaven that lives inside of you. Is God known at home? Is he known at work? Is he known on the pickleball courts? Is he known on the golf course? Is God known in your life today? You know, it's a shame. It's a shame that some ball players who seldom set foot in church will give God more glory than some Christians do that attend church faithfully. It's a crying shame when, when we, we, we look at Hollywood stars or, or music stars of this world or, or baseball players or football players or sports stars of this world. And, and man, we'll get more excited about them giving God the glory for allowing them to score a touchdown or to win the Super Bowl uh, than we get, that we give God the glory right here in church, uh, right here in our lives. We ought to be ashamed. If God is not known, then why is that? It's not that God's not there or that he's not been faithful, but could it be that we're just not living as we should and reflecting the fact that God is known? Number three, is God known in his dwelling place? Does God have his dwelling place in you? You see, the only way that God will dwell in you is if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says in John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're saved, then you belong to God. God lives in you, and therefore your bodies do not belong to you but to God 
Can I ask you something? Is God known in his dwelling place? In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? With young people and adults alike, the Bible clearly says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, Now concerning these things whereof you wrote unto me, it says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Hey, the world, the flesh, and the devil say it's okay. Outside of the bounds of marriage, it's okay to kiss. It's okay to rub up against each other. Hey, it's, uh, it's okay to have our hands all over each other. Hey, but that's not what God says. God says to flee youthful lust. The Bible says to flee fornication. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Can I just say you'll never commit fornication if you don't touch another person? I want to remind you today, your body belongs to the Lord and he's a very jealous God. If you allow a man or a lady to touch you in a sensual way, then you're not fleeing fornication. Hey, a young lady and a young man should keep themselves pure until they get married. You know, research says that 55% of young people in America that's 18 years old and under the U.S. have already been involved in fornication. That's sad because many of those 55% are Christians. How does this happen? It's because they don't flee fornication. They allow themselves the liberty to touch and to be touched. But yet, those that are saved, that body does not belong to that person touching them. It belongs to the Lord. When a young person refuses to flee fornication and youthful lust, then they're letting God know that what he thinks and what he wants for their life is not important to them. All they're trying to do is satisfy the desires of the flesh. That's all it is. Well, I'm a good girl, I'm a good boy. Hey, what does God say about that? The Bible says that our hearts are desperately, desperately wicked and who can know it? Well, I trust my child and they know how far they can go, you know, because I told them they understand, you know. But you know what? So does the Lord. So does the Lord know how far they can go. Uh, matter of fact, he says flee from it. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, it says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Hey, young teenagers who are dating should not be sitting so close to each other that they touch each other. If a young man respects a young lady, then he won't have any problem with that. But if he doesn't respect that young lady, if he doesn't respect the will of God for his life concerning him and that young lady, then I promise you he'll have his hands all over that young lady. Teenagers or even single adults uh, who date should not be touching in their, themselves in a way that married people do. In 1 Peter 2.11 it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. 
Can I ask you, is God known in your relationships with others? Or is your desires and the desires of your flesh made known? Well, look at verse 3 with me again. Psalm 76 and verse 3, it says, There break he the arrows and the bows, the shield and the sword and the battle, Selah. Hey, where, where is God known? Hey, I, I trust he's known in your life. Uh, I, I trust he's known in the songs that you listen to. Uh, I, I trust he's known uh, in your family and in your workplace and in your relationship. Uh, I, I trust God is known as your Savior this morning. But you'll never know God better than in his dwelling place. You know, if you want to know somebody and what they're all about, then go to their house. Yeah, you'll find out real quick what they're all about. Do you want to know who God is and, and, and what he's all about? Do you want to see him at work? Do you want to see his power? Then go to where he is. Go to his dwelling place. If you're saved, then God lives in you, but it's in his house where he's going to show himself. The Bible says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of of them. Verse 3 says there. What, 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 what's the there he's talking about? It's in his dwelling place where he chose to reveal himself. Where he chose to meet with his people. It's there that you, that you get to know him more and more. You see it's at church where you'll see God work in the hearts of people. It's at church where you'll see God call people into full-time service. It's in church where you'll hear of his power to save and power to deliver and power to provide. It's in church where you're going to see God use his people to fulfill the great commission. Hey, we're not going to team up and join hands with unbelievers or, or people who do not believe uh, like we do. Uh, hey, if they don't use the King James Bible, then they're not good enough to join with us. It's not that we're better than they are. They're not good enough to join with us. If they're using the world's ways and the world's music, uh, then we are not to have fellowship with them, the Bible says. According to verse 3, it's there. There in the dwelling place where God is known. And can I remind you, God is holy. That God will fight the battles for you. Hey, it's when you get on your knees that you'll see God fight the battles for you. If you humble yourself and seek His face, you're going to see God do great things for you. It's at the throne room of grace that you're going to see God do great and mighty things for you. It's there that you're going to find mercy and help and grace in your time of need. But can I say, you've got to be there. You've got to be there. You've got to be where God is in order for Him to fight for you. Would you stay faithful? Would you stay in church? Would you be where God is known? I promise you, you'll see what only God can do. Can I ask you, are you there? Are you there? Or are you in that place where God is known in your songs? Where he's known in your life? Where he's known in your dwelling place? If God is known in his dwelling place, then that means that he's in charge. You know, my family knows that daddy is in charge at our house. They don't look to mama for leadership. No, they look to daddy. 
If God dwells in you, then you should be looking to God for leadership in your life. Is God known in your life? Does he have full control in every area of your life? How how close are you following God's word? Because if you're not there, if you're not in that place where God is known, can I just say that God wants you to be there? Is God in his rightful place in your life?